Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd suffer with ototoxicity if I heard that you missed this week's show. How much to spend on ads in 2022? The Nonprofit Advertising Benchmark Study will help you decide what's the right amount for you to spend on advertising if you want to be comparable to your peers. At the very least, it's a place to start your research on ad spending. George Weiner explains the study. He's chief whaler at Whole Whale. Does that make him the Captain Ahab of nonprofit tech? Let's find out. On Tony's Take Two, it's the holidays and fourth quarter. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission, turn-2.co. It's a pleasure to welcome George Weiner to Nonprofit Radio. He is the chief whaler of Whole Whale, a digital agency that leverages data and tech to increase the impact of nonprofits and for benefit companies. He's also co-founder of Power Poetry, the largest teen poetry platform in the U.S., a safe, creative, free home to over 500,000 poets. George was chief technology officer of DoSomething.org. He managed the site overhaul twice, winning a Webby Award, and helped build a community of over a million and a half young people taking action. He's an evangelist for democratized data and measuring success. The company is at wholewhale.com and at wholewhale. Welcome, Chief Whaler. How are you, George? Wow. Incredible intro. Thank you so much, Tony. Thanks for having, uh, having me on. My pleasure. My pleasure. What's, what's behind the company name Whole Whale, which, which leads you to be Whole Whaler? What, what, what's that about? Yeah, we founded a decade ago, and at the time, the thought that struck me was ultimately the way that the Nan, you know, the Nantucket whalers and the Massachusetts whalers in the 1850s would look at a whale, and they would basically bring back lamp oil and throw the rest away. In times of abundance, we tend to be a touch wasteful instead of using everything from the blubber to the bone. And I took that lens and said, I felt like many uh, social impact organizations weren't looking at the opportunity to leverage data and technology and the rising web in that way. And they simply said, hey, hey, here's the internet and the most powerful tool we've ever been given. Let's put a donate button on it and call it a day. And, and so kind of gave rise to how we view this time of abundance uh, with an eye toward the best ways of leveraging data and tech to increase the impact. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, you... Uh... You drew that analogy between the two. Interesting. All right. Um, <laughs> so uh, are you the Captain Ahab? Uh, do you have a deep revenge? I'm trusting you know the story of Moby Dick. Do you, do you have anything deeply uh, hurting you that you need revenge for that's going to drive the, the ship of, uh, what was it? The, uh, oh, the Pequot. The Pequot. It's going to drive your whole whale Pequot uh, into the ground. I've got a few white whales maybe I'd chase. I, you know, <laughs> I got a few white whales maybe that I'd chase. Uh, yeah, the other reason I found it all whales because of the nautical puns. 
Um, I mean, you're virtually swimming in them anywhere you turn. And with regard to the <laughs> things I chase, you know, the nonprofit ad study is one, but we'd like, we go after interesting projects along the way in addition to our, uh, our day-to-day work as uh, consultants. Uh, we also develop products and, and try to put things out there in the ecosystem that help others do their jobs better or learn more about uh, whatever field they're, they're wandering in. So <laughs> I can get distracted by a white whale or two. Okay, I see. They're, they're navigating. You're helping folks navigate. Yes, the of course, the nautical, uh, you're right. The, uh, the nautical puns are, uh, are abundant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have to be. They have to be. You're helping um, folks navigate, navigate the waters. All right. All right. So we'll see if you're uh, Captain Ahab. We may flesh that out, see if you've, uh, hopefully you're not going to do to, uh, to whole whale what, uh, what the captain did to, to the people. Made it 10 years so far, but I think that's mainly because of an amazing team that basically just puts me in the right direction. Okay. That's very <laughs> gracious of you. All right. What is this, this, uh, Nonprofit advertising benchmark study. What's this thing all about? We wanted to answer a simple question and, you know, never underestimate the power of a simple question because it can lead to, you know, a, a lot of, you know, threads. Essentially, how much should a nonprofit spend on ads? This idea of advertising and promotion, uh, it's available uh, technically in Form 990s. And with the help of Cause IQ, which has you know, been a great partner in this, we analyzed seven, over 7,000 organizations to get that answer. And we chose organizations with a number of filters because clearly you know, there's 1.8 million nonprofits out there, depending on how you're sort of measuring the 501c3s. And we're like, well, that's too many. And also uh, you know, a third of them are not necessarily even uh, over- the threshold for reporting to the IRS. So we wanted to find one to 10 million in revenue organizations between 1 million and 10 million, and also met other certain criteria. And then we just sort of just, we dove in head first to, to answer that question. How much should nonprofits spend on paid ads? Okay. So among your sample size of uh, 7,100 or so, you, yep. you were, you look to see there's, I guess there's a, there's a line on the 990 that where folks, where organizations report, advertising expenses and that's what that's what you were looking for correct it's you know publicly disclosed because that's you know the game and uh we we look at that so you know there are certain assumptions there that you know we note in the study of what that line is and what it isn't so it isn't necessarily saying all right this is the amount that people spent just on facebook ads or google ads it's advertising and promotion of the organization uh, so, you know, that could extend to people paying for print ads. Um, it could even in some cases, but we filtered it out for the most part, include the cost paid to advertising firms to run ads, uh, though many, according to, I think, the analysis we did in here, um, only about like five or 10 percent in that range actually incorporated that in there. And those are the outliers. Okay. Okay. And this specifically, thank you, because I was going to ask you about, you know, how the how we define advertising or how you define advertising in the study. And it, it specifically doesn't include Google ad grant money, right? That's that's different. Super important. Thanks for bringing that up. And it's one of those sort of, you know, expert pieces there that it's an in-kind amount that doesn't get reported on that line, right? The Google ad grant giving you 10K per month in money spent is something that would show up on your in-kind value, not actual dollars out the door. Okay, right. So it's captured elsewhere. So it's not part of the uh, the study here. Okay. 
Um, and so I was struck, you know, I've, I've known that these, that the, the vast majority of nonprofits are, are smaller, you know, smaller revenue amounts, but I guess just reading it again, reminding me, refreshing my recollection that, uh, 93 and a half percent of nonprofits are under a million dollars in revenue. And, and only one and a half percent are over $10 million in revenue. So that this, this, you know, our universe of nonprofits, this, this is not related to advertising. Although, I mean, it is in terms of big orgs spend more on advertising, but that's not my point. My point is just, it just drives home that so many of our, of our colleagues in nonprofits are at organizations that are under a million dollars in revenue. 93, 93.5% are under a million dollars. The vast majority, yeah. again. Yeah, and it's important to note that, you know, because I think maybe in our minds or because of the narratives, we see large organizations and assume that they're all like multi-million dollar, but like, this is the truth of it. And that's, yeah, that 1.44 exact 501c3 nonprofit organizations and, you know, there's a very, very small fraction of them that are, are kind of live above that line. You know, like roughly speaking, the same is kind of true in, in business ecosystems as well. It, you know, it's hard to get to a million dollars. <laughs> you you realize that. But also when you look at the market, how how much of a long tail there really is. And we wanted to sort of remove that and say, like, once an organization has kind of, I mean, not saying you've made it, but you are in rarer air, certainly after crossing $1 million. You are yeah. running something that certainly has enough resonance to, to reach that level. And then we also filtered by age to be like, well, wait a minute, maybe they're like one night, you know, overnight successes or pieces like that. So we looked at organizations over under uh, this century funded, uh, founded in uh, and, and took a look at that as well. Uh, but it is, it is a curious point. We wanted to start with that context because I don't think it's given enough uh, in the sense of nonprofit industry. And you like immediately sort of have this availability heuristic, meaning like, I remember the last thing I saw and either it's the Red Cross yeah. or, you know, you know, pets down the corner, saving one pet at a time. The availability heuristic. Thank you. Dropping that. Maybe the tech guy, you know, you have to, uh, well, you, you, uh, I'll keep you out of jargon jail because you, uh, you explained it. <laughs> I immediately go to jargon jail. The okay. uh, availability heuristic. No, it's a good one. No, I love it. All right. And you, uh, you, you flushed it out so folks understand what you're talking about. Okay. I still will probably end up in jail, though, won't I? You didn't do it. Well, that could be. We'll see how, we'll see how the conversation mm-hmm. goes. Uh, but you didn't do it pretentiously like, you know, the, all you would have available or all, all you would have within your, within your thinking at that point would be subject to the availability heuristic. Yeah. And, and then just, just leave, leave it, it as a, and just, a hanger. And just yeah. leave it there and then make me ask <laughs> and then make you flush it out, which would have put you in jargon jail. So, uh, all right. No, okay, that's the availability heuristic. Thank you. This is a technology guy. Data, data, data guy. Expect those things. I have a book like that. What's that? Oh yeah. I have this cool book from college, alternative interpretations of data-based conclusions. I think availability is in there, you know, uh, confusing correlation and cause and effect. And that's a very common one. This is yeah. a cool book. See what? Can even show it to you. It looks strong. I like that. Rival hypotheses. That's what it is. Rival hypotheses. Alternative interpretations of database conclusions. Okay. So enough pretense for now. Uh, let's talk about the study a little more. What, what stood out for you? Uh, findings. What, what, uh, what was most 
informative to you that, and you think our listeners need to know? Yeah, the top line, I feel like we, we have that, that cliffhanger is like, how much should nonprofits spend? It's like, how much should we spend already? <laughs> What's the number? So I felt like we owed it to the audience to give them a number uh, with a lot of asterisks. And the number, uh, which is the median spend for our, uh, our sample, was uh, basically $12,070, which roughly equated to 5% of the median revenue. Uh, as a as a ratio. So, you know, knowing nothing else, turning off the podcast from now, you're like, all right, we should be like at least considering that. And 60% of this sample, 60% were actually spending on ads or spending on advertising and promotion. I'm going to use that interchangeably, advertising and promotion and ads. Okay. Okay. But advertising activities, 60% did and 40% did not. That actually surprised me. I actually really believe that there would be a lot more organizations spending. So, you know, that that was a bit of a surprise to me. Okay. Right. Not even not even two thirds are spending. I mean, spot on. You're like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Spending on advertising. Okay. And the median spend is 12,000, you know, between friends, we can round the 70 away. So 12,000. Hey, spot me 70. All right. $12,000. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's, that's your fee for being on the show. Um, and the average was, you know, it was interesting. The average was quite, a, the average was like 4.2 million. Wasn't the average was very highly skewed. Do I remember that right? It was, some, it was something very huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had to throw out the average because of these outliers. There's like right, these right. massive positive outliers. And there's some nonprofits out there that are spending quite significantly. And, you know, you sort of begin to touch on lobbying. There's like, um, you know, there was a pro-life America group up there in the millions of dollars. And, you know, that's that's not data that necessarily is going to help you. Right. If Bill Gates suddenly walked into your boardroom, you'd all be average billionaires. Not helpful. Right. That that kind of insight is not helpful. So that's why we chose the median. Sort of, I'm sure it's in your book of trying to avoid the, those mistakes. And, you know, we uh, we went through and tried to explain why we chose the numbers we did and also give access to the, the full data uh, dashboard if people are interested in it. All right. So, well, since you mentioned uh, access to this, how do how do folks get the the summary and I'll 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 be sure to say it at the end. You can remind me if I don't. How do yeah. folks get the uh, get get the get the summary of the study? So it's at uh, wholewhale.com/advertising. We tried to make it pretty simple. We have a nice infographic there and the ability to download the entire report. Okay. And there's a little fee. There's a five dollar fee if you want. If you want all the so data. yeah, the full data and dashboard. If you want to go digging into it um, and getting access to that, yeah, that's the five dollar fee. But you get the whole study, which is you know the 21, 21 pages of awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. you know that's available. That's, right, that's free. That's absolutely free. Okay, wholewell.com/advertising. It's time for a break. Turn to communications. Are you making your plans for twenty twenty two for fundraising? Marketing communications. Do you need help? Look at turn two. If you're like, if you're thinking about fundraising, you need to raise more money in 2022. Marketing and communications, your content, the stuff that goes out, right? <laughs> All that that you're creating for your donors, for general awareness. If you need help with it, think about turn two, because that's what they do. They have a background in 
nonprofits. They understand the nonprofit community. So you're not, you're not hiring an agency that only works with, you know, companies. They understand the nonprofit space. They can help you develop your content, help you hone those messages, get those messages out. Like you've been hearing me talk about, right? So if you need to raise more money or if you need to go to the next level in marketing communications in 2022, think about turn two. Because your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Now back to how much to spend on ads in 2022. Uh, the, uh, the 80-20 rule applies here. It's one of your, uh, it's one of your takeaways that, uh, the top 20% spend about 80% of the ad revenue. It always seems to happen, and I always seem surprised when I find that power law, right? The 80-20 shows up. I'm like, no, you amazing. again. How you again. How does it keep <laughs> happening time after time after time? For in, in a wide variety of applications, 80-20 applies. How is our especially world like that? In, actually, especially in financial distribution. Uh, but I was, I was actually... I did the analysis. I was like, it probably won't in this case show. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So it, was, it wasn't exactly 80, 20, it was 24 and 76. Right. Um, so the top 24% spent 80% of that ad spend coming back to your point on averages being like much higher and in a potential bit misleading. So you do have that handful of organizations spending quite a bit and the top 13 organizations in our study spent over a million dollars. So you kind of see that heavy, uh, that heavy weighting. And if it's like, all right, you know, the purpose of our organization is the public awareness of this particular issue. And the way we do it is just turn donations into advertising. And there are nonprofits that just do that. And they skirt the line awful close to lobbying, but they, they stay this side of fair. Okay. All right. Um, and, you know, it occurs to me, too, this is, um, you know, you're stuck with a lackluster host who is whose thinking is not uh, completely linear uh, at all times, uh, <laughs> if ever. On that. But uh, th- this is not um, this is not a, a survey. So we're not we don't have biases across uh, people giving what they think is a good answer. You know, we don't have those. Oh, that this goes back to my book, The Rival Hypotheses. You know, self-report. It's not self-reported data. Um, now you, you have you have the problem, like you said, you had to correct for whether people use agencies to produce their ads, but you were able to sort that out. So there's there's some potential differentiation in in the way people report or organizations report advertising on their 990. But overall, this is more reliable than survey data. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. This is, you know, reported. So, I mean, if you get back down to it, yes, there's a human somewhere in the financial department of this nonprofit making that decision, but they're doing that at a very macro stage and we're pulling raw data. We're not wandering in and saying, hey, how much do you spend on ads? And, you know, looking at, you know, 250 random nonprofits that decided to randomly fill out a survey with limiting information or, you know, not being wanting to be fully transparent for whatever reasons. This is, you know, this is source data from the organization, according to the IRS, aggregated by cause IQ, and then 
we analyzed it uh, to to really find those answers. And it's something that we just felt was lacking. We felt like there was a lot of, mm. eh, we'll call it a, you know, qualitative as opposed to quantitative type of research out there being like, oh, here's the official number. And then you look at the fine print and realize it was you know, the, the opinion of 60 people <laughs> at nonprofits. Yeah, right. and, well, and I'm like, ah, I don't know. Right. A lot of the answer, a lot of times people say, well, it depends. It depends. So you've drilled down more than it depends. We've drilled down more and also been able to look at individual cause areas. So not just lumping one of my, one of, one of my watchwords is being careful of lumping together the entire industry into one tidy bucket and, and assuming they all behave the same way. And if you know one nonprofit, you know, one nonprofit. And so we actually have, you know, in one of our findings divided up the type and cause focus of the organization uh, to kind of get a better idea in that distribution, which tells, you know, Another different story, which is all the more to say, I, I hesitated, but knew we desert we we owed the audience an answer of twelve thousand dollars. But even that uh, can be misleading, depending on the industry uh, and sub industry you are in. Well, like arts organizations, for instance, spend, spend the most, right? Yeah, that's what you're 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 teasing us a little bit, but uh, I'm, I don't do that to nonprofit radio listeners. You can <laughs> you can attempt it, but I won't allow it. So. Uh, let, let's, uh, so arts organizations spend the most on advertising, right? Arts organizations were the highest spender. Again, surprising to me because I actually thought it would be health. I thought it would be the health industry spending, you know, more, uh, to, you know, research awareness and pieces like that. But, you know, frankly, at uh, the end of the day, you need to get people to attend, to show up, to, you know, go to these, you know, one-time events to museums, uh, on location. And so, these uh, these were the highest highest spenders uh, for sure, and promoters of performing arts, sports, and similar events uh, were were at the top. And then the the lowest, you know, because you look at the high and the low, were sure. uh, less surprisingly the grant makers and giving services. Like if you're giving grants, guess what? People find you. <laughs> if you're writing checks, people yeah. people find you. Yeah, right. Events you uh, you 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 uh, teased out what ad spending does to event income. And uh, I'll let you, I'll let you reveal what was found. Yeah, this is a bit of a a nothing burger on the face of it because I had, here's a case where I went in with maybe a touch of an agenda. I had an agenda. I'm going to admit it that I thought if a nonprofit was spending research, we're going back to my book, researcher bias. Yeah, this was researcher bias, but I I left it in because I was so surprised that the ad spend of a nonprofit did not correlate, uh, mind you, even causation, didn't even correlate in any meaningful way to higher event income. So event income is another thing technically reported by nonprofits in the 990 that you can pull, aggregate, and analyze. I'll put an asterisk there. There are problems with that reporting, which maybe impacted this, but ultimately there was no correlation at all with this uh, idea that orgs without ads and with ads had any meaningful difference in uh, the amount raised with event fundraising. Mm. Okay. Well, right. Clearly you had, you had a hypothesis because that's why you pulled the event income data off the 990s. 
Yeah, I mean, I, my hope was to show. I, I like. I had. I had the hope that we would show that. Guess what? If you're spending to promote your event, your event does better, and therefore, an aggregate, they should be the folks that are making more money. You know, when in fact, you know, the of our, I can give some context with the the data size. Uh, about sixty eight percent of our group uh, had listed event fundraising expenses, and. of that group uh, reporting event fundraising revenue from their form 990. So (laughs) right in there, you're like, wait a minute, they didn't all make money. Nope. (laughs) There's just events that happen. Right. So I think that's important. Not all events have maybe the purpose of fundraising, but that's where they get listed. There's also the question of in the accounting department, did that gift of a hundred thousand dollars that came in, Five days after the event, did that go to the capital campaign or did that go to the fundraising event, yeah. right? There's a lot of mushiness there. So, you know, I'll blame it on the data, but I wanted to report it because it, it was something that sort of a keep us honest moment. Yeah. Okay. But it, it's valid. You reported as a finding. So I did. We did. You, you believe in it. <laughs> you believe in it. Okay. <laughs> it's time for Tony's take two. It's the holidays and it's the fourth quarter. The holidays, I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving time with family, friends, time for yourself. These things are important. You've got to take time to rejuvenate yourself, to relax. However you, you know what's best for you. However you do that for yourself, however you relax. It might be some people, some people relax by, uh, you know, adrenaline rushes and, uh, you know, zip cording. However you relax, I hope you did it over Thanksgiving, and I hope you will continue it throughout the holiday season. We're in the midst of Hanukkah right now, Christmas coming up, whatever your holiday is, I hope that you will be good to yourself as well as, of course, your family, loved ones, and friends that you're getting together with. And it is the fourth quarter, so there's a lot of pressure, I know. Vast amounts of, of fundraising revenue come in not only the fourth quarter, but even in just in December. I know. So I know you've got those pressures. What am I talking about? Balance. Balance. Take care of yourself so you can take care of your nonprofit. Please do both. Please. For the holiday season this year. That is Tony's take two. We've got buku buttloads more time for how much to spend on ads in 2022. The older organizations, older organizations spend more than, uh, than, I'm sorry, older organizations spend uh, less likely to spend. I was thinking of uh, larger, I was thinking of size, not age. Older organizations spend less. That that seems to make sense. There are when we presume that older organizations have have, have greater uh, market awareness because they've been around longer. I guess the I love this takeaway. This was actually I have to give credit to Kobe on our team who ran the ran and managed this uh, analysis. He just he was like, I would love to look at the the date founded because. The underlying hypothesis here is that older organizations that were incubated and created in a time, frankly, pre-Web 1.2.0, 
would see less value in their operating, less value in paying to play, in creating ads, in creating advertising. Oh, that's the hypo. Oh, that's, you think that's the cause. Like they, they, they haven't adapted to our digital ad environment? I mean, it's, it, we, we call the oh, rising generation digital natives, right? How much yeah. time do you spend on TikTok? Like there's, I think they're a fundamental reality. I, I've never, I've never been there, but they can hire people. I don't need to, I could hire somebody to do TikTok <laughs> for me if I want to. Oh, George, that's so cynical about older organizations. All right. But let's, all right. Let's You're right. This. Let's say, like, can we, we can tell them the, the numbers though. It wasn't that massively off. I will, right. I will say that. Um, okay, the, all right. Let's start with what's an older organization. How did you, how did you group or, or cluster or how did you define age? How did I unfairly categorize this poor <laughs> maligned group of so nonprofits? I'm so throwing cynical. They, they, they're they're capable of even hiring people to do something <laughs> post 1950. I mean, these these folks are still watching black and white television, and some of them are still listening to silent movies. In your mind, um, that aside, the set I went with the century, so it's over under year 2000, which I thought was an interesting inflection point, and also. Mm. It's nice and round. Oh, so there's a whole bunch. Oh, before 2000. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I think that, I mean, it's a long swath of time to look at. And, you know, the difference is really that this, uh, in last century, 41% had no ads versus in this century, 37%. So, you know, four percentage points, uh, total difference in just the binary decision. Should we have ad- ads, advertising and promotion? Uh, and then the median spend uh, of this century was uh, not that much higher, but it's about four hundred ish, four hundred dollars higher. Uh, simply by nothing else, controlling for everything else, right? Like nothing else, you just you're just going to spend a little bit more if you are going to spend, and you're more likely to be spending on ads. So it wasn't. Mon- I kind of wished it was a bigger differential. Uh, so it was actually much tighter uh, than it. And I have to, I have to say, the counter narrative here is that do something.org, one of my alma maters, uh, was founded in 1993 and still had a well, well above average ad spend. So they are like the outlier that I didn't even have to take that long to find. It's impressive that you were the uh, the chief technology officer at, at Do Something. That's uh, oh, thanks. That's a that's quite. A renowned organization for what? What's their sweet spot? Fourteen to seventeen, or fourteen to eighteen, or fourteen to twenty-year-olds taking taking action, and all the data that you gathered from them. That's uh, that's quite a that's quite a job to have had. It's impressive. It was an interesting time to have that role. I'll say that for sure because there was a lot of you know a lot of tech being just sort of introduced. Web two o just becoming of age. You know, you look at Facebook pages and that existing for the first time in that period of time being like, what do we do with this now? I don't know. What do we do? Like, there was a lot of like, have you used this thing? And you're like, oh, God, what is this thing now that I have to go figure out? And then building our own platform as well. And then sort of, you know, data privacy and protection uh, and jumping in, I'd say the biggest piece we figured out was SMS in that period of time, mm-hmm. the power of text messaging, which is still, you know, widely underappreciated, I'd say, in the social impact sector. Uh, I do take, you know, huge nod of the hat uh, to Twilio.org and what they're doing out there. But it's a, you know, it was an interesting time to be the CTO. And what was the, the, 
the prime age group for do something. I, I was trying to guess, I was like 14 to 18 or something. Or yeah, what? it's extended. You know, I think they, they would extend it to through college uh, age, but there's like different sort of calls to action uh, along the way. While I was there, we were predominantly focused on teens and tweens and that sort of intro level to volunteerism and engagement uh, to foster a lifetime of social engagement. And, and since then they've really evolved because guess what, <laughs> you know, it, you know, you, if you have half a million people that are of this age, it's silly to say like, all right, goodbye, good luck. And like, ah, we can still provide services. We can still provide ways for them to engage. So it's kind of an interesting quandary, I think, for a lot of uh, youth-focused organizations to be like, where do you draw that line? Well, and because eventually those folks are going to turn over 45 and then they're just going to be dinosaurs like like you hypothesized about the, over. the older organizations. <laughs> so you better get all the data you can now or you know, do something better because – once they once they turn forty five, I mean they're they're practically dead, and they can't adapt. Their their minds are <laughs> impossible. Yeah, their, their impossible. brains are necrosed. It's just well, actually, no, not completely, but maybe four percent more of them, like four percentage points. Four percent. All right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you for bringing us back to the survey, to the study. So it was not a survey to the study. I definitely um, stepped in it. I'm sorry. Right. That's right. So. Uh, so let's talk about what I what I had confused with that larger larger organizations. What did you find mm-hmm. out about that that uh, that's that that set? Well, I think the interesting thing is not that hey, surprise, larger <laughs> people with more money spend more money. This just in from things you probably already knew uh, is that it's the same ratio. So that sort of golden ratio of five percent of revenue just paired out. Uh, for small and large organizations. My assumption there that I went in there with a sort of hypothesis uh, was that the smaller organizations would probably disproportionately spend at a higher ratio, but it didn't turn out to be true. So in fact, that sort of 5% of revenue held across large and small organizations, albeit, yeah, large organizations spent more. So if you do like if you just take away a quick thing, you could accidentally assume that, oh, large organizations got big by spending more. You're like, well, no, they're larger and they still spend at that ratio, which is in and of itself interesting because it is a much bigger number. And between those two groups where we divided it uh, between large and small, uh, which was over under, I should, should note small organizations being one to five million. So small and five to 10 million. So we just basically threw the line down the middle and it just equated to the large organizations had a median that was three X in terms of revenue, three X, the amount that uh, the one to five did. And that was the same ratio, three X more in ad spend. So, you know, if you were doing lazy reporting, you'd say like large organizations spend three times the amount. And you're like, "Eh, yeah, (laughs) but that's just a symptom of numbers. Okay. Okay. And employees. You also you also tracked the number of full time employees at at organizations. Yeah, this was a bear. (laughs) What did you find related to? Oh, why is it a bear? It was a bear. It was just really difficult to do to like segment based on you know how many employees. And again, a simple isn't there a simple question on the nine ninety? I'm not an accountant, so I don't know. No. The total number of employees is uh, technically available. So we were able to, to grab that number and and then parse it out. It's just parsing it between under five, five to nine, 10 to 14 employees, 15 to 19 employees, uh, oh, and, okay. and sort of scaling that up. The biggest jump happens really from, you know, organizations with less than five employees just aren't really spending on ads. 
And the hot take there is that, you know, surprise, it takes people to run ads, running ads and promotions takes a dedicated, you know, person or part of a person to truly run. And then as you sort of scale up, you have like random ebbs and flows. Uh, but the the biggest jump really is that like, if you have an organization with under five people, um, they're really, uh, they're nowhere near that median ad spend because they come in at like, uh, you know, 500 bucks versus immediately you get to $2,000 um, once you get five to nine. And then the next biggest jump, you know, happens once you're over 24 people, just larger organizations. Acquaint us with what goes into this, what, why it takes, you just said it takes a person or at least a part of a person for organizations that aren't doing this for the, for the, uh, what, for the 60% that, that aren't spending, what, what do they have to devote time to? It, uh, it is the most valuable asset a nonprofit has. It's not the revenue. It's the time of the people working and to run an ad on Facebook, to place an ad in a paper, let's say, if you're running, to place an ad on this very podcast. It takes time for someone to email, set up, establish the price, right, manage not, and test not, the ROI. Let's not create a, a, an obstacle where it doesn't exist. All you have to do is email Tony at TonyMartinetti.com <laughs> if you want to be a sponsor of Nonprofit Radio. It's quite a fluid process. George is referring to uh, <laughs> George is referring to a universe he's not that well acquainted with. Right? This study is not on podcasting advertising. Uh, when when he does that one, I hope I will be a part of it. But uh, the the I don't know about the podcasting universe. But if you want to be a sponsor of Nonprofit Radio, it's a very fluid easy process. You're talking directly to the host and the CEO. Just email we me. We could do it right now. We could do it right now. Yes, you could do it right now. Whole Whale, if Whole Whale was a sponsor, you would know how fluid and simple it is. But you, haven't taken, you haven't taken that leap. So, all right, let's not go outside the bounds of the study as we're, as we're uh, trying to draw conclusions. So, we take, you know, we sort of take it as sort of maybe a, a core number that, oh, you know, we can spend... $12,000 is a median number, but it doesn't happen by itself. I mean, nothing simply does. So the, that type of ad management was in the back of our mind saying like, you know, you have to track the ROI, you have to create the report for the boss, you have to set up the landing page or whatever it may be that you're running ads for. Uh, it's not just as simple as saying like, oh, cool, no problem, you know, throw your credit card over there and, you know, let it run. Uh, okay. So that's the thought that la- it takes labor to implement ads. And your study makes the point that even if you're hiring someone to do the ads for you, you need someone to oversee the work of the consultant or the firm. Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers definitely bear out that, you know, it definitely tracks as you go up in the number of employees um, that you're, you're able to see a, a higher spend. Now, that's also corollary to the, the, the amount of revenue, but we also show that along the way, which, you know, incrementally increases, um, but doesn't necessarily follow along with the, the differences that you see. So, you know, I don't purport that this study will show you how to set up your advertising department, but it will tell you that you can't assume this thing happens in a vacuum and without labor. Yes. Okay. Well, and you're a digital uh, advertising agency in, at least in part, how much of a, full-time employee would you do you estimate it would take for uh well it doesn't really well 
for a smaller organization? Let's say they, let's say someone has just 10 employees or fewer, like what, how many, what percentage of a, of a full-time employee's time would that size organization spend on ads if they were going to move themselves from the 60% that don't advertise at all to the 40% that do? An interesting framing there. If you had 10 employees, according to the study, you'd have an average revenue of roughly, call it 2.3 million. Your median ad spend for that cluster would be uh, $2,100. And, you know, uh, that doesn't require a full-time employee, but it's going to take about, you know, 2,100. That's in a year? That's 2,100 a year? Yeah. So you're just spending a little under $200 a month. I mean, yeah, I mean, in in, in two thousand, yeah, right, twenty two thousand exactly two hundred a month would be twenty four hundred a year. So, and yeah. you're saying twenty one hundred. So, yeah. So for that number, it that's that's easily managed in ten percent of somebody's time, depending on the type of advertising activity that you're doing. The hope is that that allows you enough to test where there's value and increase that number ads can be spent for a number of different reasons. And this is getting back to maybe why my assumption on fundraising was so flawed is ads may be spent to spread awareness of a topic, a theme, to increase public awareness, I don't know, for vaccines, for health research. It's not necessarily direct one-to-one ratio with fundraising. However, and if you are able and you are trying to turn one ad dollar into two donated dollars and you figure out a way to do that, it's the hope that spending that and having somebody paying attention to it may figure out a way to get a bit of a little bit of a money engine going for you, spending ads to increase donations to the organization. And that is a hope of this study. It is a hope that you're saying, you know what it is worth, frankly, 20% of someone's time to play around with some amount of money that would let us learn and then do more of what works. Okay. Okay. That's a pretty good wrap up actually, but uh, I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to make it official because we've, we've covered all your explicit findings in the, in the, uh, in the study, which folks can get at wholewhale.com slash advertising, very appropriately named, simple, uh, Simple URL, wholewhale.com slash advertising. What would you like to leave folks with, George? I think that point lands hopefully well, and I haven't offended any older organizations out there from which no, I only, am, only, I have only older Only older people. You haven't offended any uh, organization. No, just the older <laughs> just, people, that's all. Well, 4% of them, right? Well, that was the that was the differential, but it seemed like it was one hundred percent of those people were offended. But yeah, maybe for no, I don't know. Now the way you did it, it was it was wider. It was wider. Oh, good. I the differential. I, I understand the differential was four percent. Correct. But you didn't offend only four percent of people over forty five. No, you offended most of us. That's okay. That's pretty good. Well, yeah. I'll be joining no, you, you shortly, so I can I can join in the offended club. I uh, I will say that. There is a lot to, to dig into here, but it is really meant to be an asset for anyone making the case in an organization to say, hey, why don't we try this? Why don't we try a spend? It seems like our counterparts that are in this field are doing so and learning. And so if you're not spending, you're not learning. And when I look at platforms, social platforms that purport to be 
you know, ways for you to get this organic traffic that'll magically come to your site. So if you are posting, for example, on a Facebook, on an Instagram, frankly, on most social platforms, uh, you are losing money because the platform truly for, for nonprofits, for companies, social media platforms are advertising platforms first and social platforms second. Mm. One more time, if you are a company, if you are a nonprofit, social media is an advertising platform first and in an organic social network second, possibly distant second, depending on which one we're talking about. And so it's like sending somebody in your communications or marketing department to work without a computer by not saying, hey, here's a bit of ad money to play with and learn what might be possible for us. So that's, that's the thought I want to leave you with, I think. All right. And not just me. All our listeners, thank you. He's George Weiner. He's the chief whale at whole whale, wholewhale.com, wholewhale.com slash advertising for the nonprofit advertising benchmark study. If you're on Twitter, they're at whole whale. Thank you, George. Terrific. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for being a good sport, Captain Ahab. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having us. Next week, purpose-driven marketing. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. And let me remind you how simple it is to be a nonprofit radio sponsor. Just email Tony at TonyMartinetti.com. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs> <laughs>